ears to good friends. Cheers. 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 Hmm. That's sort of an oaky afterbirth. What was that? She did tell me to uh, get a beer and some cheese fries over at Eskimo Joe's. That's very nice, lovely. I only hope you feel this way when I'm done. Because I could destroy this night in two seconds. Why is that funny? <laughs> well, I think it's a bit funny to be trying to define nothing. <laughs> Smooth as a bourbon on a summer day. Strong as a peated scotch in the winter night. This is a fair warning. The Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. The band's back together. Everybody is here for the Catholic Man Show. Welcome one and all. I'm Adam Minahan with David Niles. We have Juan Posada back on the buttons, clicking away. We have Jim over here guarding the door. And when you say he's on the buttons, he's not. You don't mean that he's literally on them. Correct. Gotcha. I think we've established that in multiple episodes. Right. But now that everyone's back, for the sake of tradition, I wanted to <laughs> to bring it reestablish back. it. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So we just got back from Massachusetts this week. Yeah, we ha- were in Boston. No, Worcester. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But yeah. it was the it was the Boston area. Right. Get some coffee in Boston. Yeah. As we traveled to Worcester. Yeah, it's Worcester. Uh, that's not how it's not how it's spelled. Mm-mm. This is a lot like Scotch, where the spelling of the thing and the pronunciation of the thing are disassociated, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a phenomenal conference. We had a great time. It was a great uh, conference. Yeah, it was, like it, it was uh, wonderful. If you're in the area, look it up for next year. Yes, yes. Uh, Father Jose Rodriguez did a great job organizing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, over 700 men. There's yeah, over uh, about 700 guys there, and there was another conference happening. Like forty-five minutes away or so. Mm. Uh, that's what some uh, Stephen Hool, who we got to see, we got Saul to say Saint Stephen. Saint Hull. Stephen. Can we? Uh, can, he's for, not even. He's still alive. Yes. <laughs> so can we maybe give a little bit of context of who Saint Saint Stephen Hool is? Because it's been a long time. Yeah. Since okay. We, so he's like been. He's one of our patron members from uh, like one from the one of the very beginning. Right. Uh, and so. I we were giving fact, him a shout out. This is like I mean, back he, may, he may not like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And this is for, just for your humility, Saint Stephen. Like even if you don't like it, yeah, okay. Uh, he was the one. He he was wanted that gave us a, a good sized donation to get us up and to get us like started. Oh yes, going. Yeah, so, like he was very generous. That's true, uh, and in supportive of of the show. That's correct. But his wife didn't know that until now. Well, she doesn't listen, so it's okay. Probably, and this was like probably not five years, six years, six years ago. Yeah, so. there's statute of limitations, right? So it's fine. But yeah, so so he was he gave us this donation, and, at, and, and we were, we used to give people shout outs when right. they would join Patron right. Patreon, right? Uh, and would 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 cheers, you know, we'd we'd get give them uh, toast, a toast, a toast to them, yeah. yeah. And you kept you would continually talk about his death, uh, like not on purpose. That wasn't something I was trying to do. It'd be like, may you have a good death or something. And it's like I don't know why I keep. Bringing up his death. I keep talking about this guy being a martyr, uh, but, you know, St. Stephen in the Bible was a martyr, and so right. there right. became an association of Stephen, Stephen Houle being associated as, and called on our show as St. Stephen, because St. Stephen had a glorious death. Just like I'm sure Stephen Houle <laughs> will have will someday. have someday, whether it's in his bed uh, at a ripe old age, or what? I don't know. But it'll be good. It's going to be good. I'm sure of it. Prophetic. Stephen, here's to your death. <laughs> to your death. <laughs> one of the longest may traditions. It, may it be glorious. <laughs> one of the longest traditions of the Catholic may, Church. May, may our Lord and Savior find uh, honor and glory <laughs> in your final moments. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, so, <laughs> Jim, Jim's hesitant, but he, he, he went ahead and cheers. So this uh, evening we're drinking a scapa. Hmm. Either scapa, scapa, not sure. Uh, the the smell of this whiskey is the weirdest smell. It's very fruity. I've 
No, it's that's not, all, that's not what all. Let me smell yours. Let me smell yours. Yeah, it's, see, yeah. that's the same. Okay, yeah, it's <laughs> it's the same whiskey. Yeah, well, I did honestly. I was wondering this because I thought it was so weird. Like, what if there was like something in my glass, you know, that was affecting no. affecting the aroma? So here, here's the, the official no, taste. Weird. The nose, delicate scented floral flavors with a hint of fresh pear, sweet and fruity pineapple notes with a citrus tang. The taste says it's smooth and sweet, ripe honeydew melon slices, burst of fruity pear and lemon sherbet. On the nose? No, that's that's the taste. Oh. And the finish is long, refreshing, shimmering sweetness. Those are the official tasting notes. All right. One, does it smell good to you? Like, I would not say that this whiskey smells good. I would say. Oh, really? I, I think I think it has a hint of stinky feet. Okay. I ki- I kid you not, and I've been I've been going back and back. It's like, yep, there's something like a little bit rank in the on the nose. It doesn't taste at all that way. The the taste, it's good. It's good. It, it, it's it's not that. Okay, I'm just saying. But that's just you know yes. one man's opinion. So here's the like I would like I know there's uh, guys who listen to the show that that know more about whiskey than we do, and I would like to know. Their thought, your thoughts, because this is from the the uh, islands of Orkney, Orkney Islands, right, which is the northern part, I believe, and it's right before the Isla whiskies, right. So the the Lafroigs, Ardbegs, uh, Lagavulins, those type of whiskies. Uh, this is supposed to be right before then. It's supposed to kind of have it the the salty uh, iodiney almost taste uh-huh. uh without the peat a heavy smoke because it's not quite there yet uh in in the geographic I mean, area they could they could peat it and they could smoke it right? sure but they could but just from their nat from the natural they know what they're doing yeah, yeah. their their microclimate that they have whatever okay um but i'm not sure if it's actually if it's technically like its own classification classification or not Mm-hmm. Uh, I I read in this is a, a great book if you're looking if you're getting into whiskey it's from Jim Murray Murray who is uh, the guy who does all the the tastings and all the awards and he, he's he's kind of like the the whiskey bible guy uh, and he has a book called the World Whiskey Guide now it's a little uh, outdated now there's new distilleries popping up everywhere yeah uh, but he mentions in that book that the Highland Park whiskeys are from the Orkney Islands which I think is confusing. Because they have the word Highland in the name, right? I think it's relatively reasonable to like assume, oh, these must be a Highland whiskey. But now as it I, turns I out, do they're know, not. I do know that the Orkney Islands has like uh, Viking heritage, right? So uh, they were, they were run by the Nordics, uh, that hmm. area, for a long time, and, and it was okay. a it was a stop for them, a trading spot. So. That's all I know, though. So we have come to the okay. The end. That's just a you know a point of interest. Well, I know that that Highland Park, it, you know, has they lean heavily on the Viking feel. That's true. Yeah, and then this has a, a Norse, like it says, old Norse glittering bright sky. So it has Nordic. Yeah, they're doing the same thing. Uh, word, You're right. Words on there. So there's a connection there. Okay, that's all I got, though. All right, nice. I think it's delicious. It's a ninety dollar bottle. Okay. 85 to 90 dollars. All right. Uh 40%, so it's not going to be harsh at all. Uh what do you the yummy scale, Jim? It's a 4. A 4 yummy. A 4 on the yummy scale. Okay. No, no one is actually sure yeah. like how high the yummy scale goes. Uh Juan, you have been gone for so long. You're you, did you even know that there was like a, a numerical order to the yummy scale now? No, I thought it was four times yummies, but now I see that it's different. Yeah, there's yeah. there are some new things. It has evolved. I, on the yummy I scale. have to catch up and do research. Yes. Yeah, there's uh, books and manuals. There's a couple research articles that have been written. Good Good thing I only have to listen to the first like eight minutes of an episode to find out that what's is, happening with the That is good. Mm-hmm. You're, you, that is a good point. There you go. Uh, also, Fast research. Real quick, if you uh, want to get our new hoodies and t-shirts, you can go to thecatholicmancho.com, uh, go to our store, we still have a few left. We opened it up to our patrons first. They had the first right of refusal, but it's a limited edition, right? So we ordered, all, we bought them physically, like ourselves, uh, and we're reselling them. But we're not buying any more. Like this is a, a one. That's all we got. This is a, a one off thing. So when they're done, they're done. 
but it's a really sweet shirt. It says uh, there's no paradise for no, no paradise for, for cowards, cowards, which uh, is from Don Juan of Austria. In the Lepanto the battle. Battle of Lepanto, yeah. Uh, has a, a really sweet Lepanto ship on yeah, it. And the, the sweatshirts themselves are, are very, like awesome. In fact, so like the Robert material. Martin, who we gave a shout out to in the last episode, or one of the last episodes. Yeah, Robert Martin. Because he helped fix my truck. Right. Uh, he, he was wearing it. He, he bought one and he was wearing it. And he ended up printing off the story of the Battle of Lepanto uh, and, and had a bunch of copies that he had in his hoodie. Because oh, he cool. said he, he, he took it to work. It was like a casual day, I guess, or whatever. And he was at work, and people kept asking, like, well, what is this shirt about? And he said, well, here, here, read this. It's it's the Battle of Lepanto. It's a sweet story. And he, like, would just, be, he said he was just passing Brilliant. out uh, these, uh, you know, little pamphlet or little sheets of paper on the Battle of Lepanto. It's just history, and it's about Jesus. And it's about Jesus. And, and Our Lady. And you're welcome. Right. Uh, so, anyway, you can go to the CatholicManshow.com slash store, what I believe. What a great idea. Yeah. When he told me that, I was like, that was, that was great. Brilliant. That was awesome. Well um, done, Robert. Yeah. Uh, so, here's the thing, Dave. Are you are you going to preview what, a story that we're going to tell on the other side of the break? Is that what you're about to do? We experienced something. I knew it. That possibly no one in the history of in the, humankind, in the course of all human events, I believe we took part in something that has never happened and in all likelihood will never happen again will never happen again and you and i were a part of it and it was my honor to be a part of it i was thrilled about it yes and a little nervous well we're gonna tell this story on the other side of the break okay sounds good For over 35 years, Select International Tours has been planning pilgrimages all across the world, and they've been doing that for a reason. Yeah, if you guys have listened to our show, then you know that we just got back from Ireland. Uh, We used Select International Tours to book our pilgrimage to Ireland. Everything went just great. It went exactly how we planned it. Right. right? In fact, one of the pilgrims uh, said that it was his the best pilgrimage he's ever been on. Right. I mean, so the thing is, they know what they're doing. If if you want to go on a nice pilgrimage uh, that's really you know oriented around experiencing the Catholic faith um, in some of the most historic, most important sites all over the world for the history of our faith, go to selectinternationaltours.com. They have pilgrimages going everywhere in the world all the time just because you know they, they do it so well, everybody wants to use them. That's right. And if you go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow, you'll be one of the first ones to know when we're planning our next pilgrimage, which spring or summer 2024. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. We want to thank Select International Tours for being a sponsor of our show, The Catholic Man Show. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, Juan Posada, and Jimbo Baggins. So, as we were saying, we did something. Really, really, I, I don't want to take credit for it because I was just there. Right. I think really you have to give the credit where it belongs to Juan Posada, right? Uh, as the um, genesis of. <laughs> what I think was, in fact, something truly new that never has ever <laughs> happened and never will happen again. Not because it's not possible for it to ever happen again, but I just don't think any other person except for Juan is capable of actually... And willing. Capable and willing being a huge, huge part of it. Because it's really not about if you're capable. <laughs> it's about if it really comes down to are you willing to do this. Right. And so it happened on Wednesday. Uh, Juan and I and our wives are part of a weekly Bible study. And at that Bible study, about a week ago, he told us things that we didn't expect to hear, which happens a lot from Juan. When right. you have a Juan Posada in your life, he tells you things that you don't expect. Almost. Fair enough. Fair. Almost, almost always. Almost on a regular basis. <laughs> right. On a regular basis. Yeah. So Juan, if you don't know is a prophet. <laughs> you might not have known that about him, but he is. Fun fact. Uh, he's a Josephite prophet. He has prophetic dreams. 
and I'm actually not even kidding. <laughs> Mostly about whether or not people are having babies or about if their baby is a boy or girl. <clears throat> so, and he's got a, an, an incredible a pretty, track a record. You know? track record, he's, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is not like a one-off thing. So last week, Monday night, Juan has a dream that his wife is pregnant. Now, given, I think, his own personal experience with his own uh, track record, this for him is enough for him to be completely convinced. <laughs> I had a dream that she's pregnant. Therefore, she that woman is pregnant. Okay? There were zero doubts in the man's eyes. Right. And he was St. Joseph's feast day. It was yes. St. Joseph's feast day. Yes. Adds to the story big time. Right. An important detail. So he's explaining this all to us. And in order to like solidify and have some empirical data to back up his faith, he decides to secretly collect a urine sample from his wife. <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> okay. And you're probably thinking, how are you going to do that? Because that was my first question. Oh, well. Was just- <laughs> that was my question. Juan? You can't. How did you take her urine? <laughs> Without her knowing that you were taking it. So he had another friend of ours call Joan and say, hey, I have a friend who's in like a doctoral program or something, um, and, and they're doing a, a study on, on antioxidants. And they, they really need people to help participate in the study, right? So, um, so would you be willing to do it? I need you to eat two cups of blueberries and then wait several hours um, and then uh, take a, a, send in a urine sample because we need to study it for the antioxidants. For science. For science. And the, if, if you don't know, Joan, is, she's big into antioxidants. She's also really big into science. Yeah. I mean, cause, maybe. Cause probably she's cause, a sports science ma- major. So. She's also very charitable and oh, willing to help. Yeah. And because the antioxidants. So. Right. Anyway, she says yes. And so... Juan is explaining to us on the Bible study, which is taking place on Tuesday night, that tomorrow she will be sending in the sample, it, and Lindsay, our friend, is going to test, get, do, do a pregnancy test, and that if it's positive, he wanted to throw a like last-minute impromptu surprise your pregnant party <laughs> for Joan. This this is this is the story, and. Uh, as Juan already knew, that everything went down, and she is pregnant. So, like, before we keep going, congratulations, yeah, Juan. Juan, congrats. <laughs> good ass, yes, good Baby ass. number five. Yes. Um, and I have, I have to say, like, when he told us this, I actually believed him immediately. That, like, <laughs> which kind of surprises me a little bit. Um, and it's like, I, I feel like if anybody else had said, I had a dream, and I'm pretty sure my wife's pregnant, be like, all right. Yeah, that's cool, dude. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah. But when Juan said it, I was like, no kidding. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just do. So anyway, the sample's collected. She's pregnant. We start throwing it together. She thinks that we're just have, coming over for like a, oh, just a regular Bible study party. Because we have those. Our Bible study group will get together just, you know, for a party. Right. Um, every now and then. And so doesn't think anything of it. She's coming up. Uh, we were having it over at my house. Yes, uh, like a ton of people are, are there. Yeah, there was like over fifty people there. They're walking up the uh, to the like shop area. We're having the party. The garage door opens. There's banners, and we all yell, "Surprise! You're pregnant!" And <laughs> and she just like stares at us with this, <laughs> I think mostly confused look for the first few seconds. Very confused. If somebody, if, I mean, just imagine someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, surprise! You're pregnant!" Be like, "What?" Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I, I, I have several questions. You're telling, uh, like, right? We also we did make shout out to uh, uh, Mark and Becky Gabriel for making a surprise your pregnant banner banner because last minute because you know what I don't know where you they, should... they don't buy you can't buy those in Party City. Right. Party City does not have any surprise surprise your pregnant your banners, pregnant banners. Yeah. but we have one. In fact, it's still in my shop. Yeah, it's still there, and I kind of like it. <laughs> um. So anyway, we had this great party. Joan uh, was she, she did the laugh and cry. She, she cried. Did the laugh and cry. And yeah. Cry, uh, and cry. But we had a great party. Congratulations to Juan. Um, I just I just feel like 
the the event needs to have be documented somewhere mm-hmm. so that um, the, the the only through thing, the course of history. This, that's right. This has now been documented. The only thing is that I I really think that this puts a real risk of um, like calling in the divine inspiration of the Bible into account uh, because you know it says there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> There's that one line, and, and here, here we are. Here we are. So it's a little bit awkward all of a sudden. Yes, uh, not really sure. Uh, I was like, we'll so, have to figure that one out so later. One call, so one called. Uh, he called me several times. Uh, I was in the middle of meetings. I could not answer it. I was with uh, our, our good friend Deacon, Deacon Garlic because uh, I work with him, and he was calling Deacon Garlic at the same time. We're in the same meeting, and so we're we're both like looking, and we're like kind of nervous, like. Why is Juan calling us back to back, you know, like this? And so he calls Amy, uh, Deacon's wife, and tells her. And then Amy text messages Deacon and says, it's okay. It's not an emergency. You just need to call him. But you do need to drop what you're doing but and you call, need to call him right him. now. But you do need yeah. to call him. You probably should step out of the meeting. And so Deacon and I call him. We're on the phone together. And he's telling us this. And, of course, you know, my first question is, like, well, how did you collect the urine? And... All of the questions. The yeah. What? Yeah. And then I, I asked him, I was like, Juan, are you, are you sure that she's going to be okay with this? Because like, honestly, I think there's a lot of women who, who might hear the story and think and say, look at their husbands and say, under no, never, yeah. <laughs> do not ever, ever, ever right. tell me, this is not how I want to find out that I'm pregnant. <laughs> right. I just want you to know that. And if you do this to me, you're gonna be in trouble, right? <laughs> like, because I, I want this to be a joyful occasion. Uh-huh. You know, I want this to be. You gotta know. You gotta know your audience. You right. gotta. You yeah. gotta know your wife. Very. <laughs> you gotta know your friend's wife, right? Because <laughs> I was sitting here like, should I be throwing this party? Yeah. Well, I called Dave after my house. I, yeah. I called <laughs> Dave afterwards, and I'm like, are we complicit? Like, if, if things go down, if these are things go bad, are we like complicit in this? Like, you know, how much moral responsibility are we taking here? <laughs> and what did I tell you? It'll be fine. That's exactly fine. what I said. I said, in, in dude, that, I said, that, don't you know, Joan? It'll be fine. She's like, she's totally easygoing. She's going to love it. It's going to be fine. And I said, Adam, we would never do this to Haley. <laughs> <laughs> but we're so, not doing it. We're doing it. Joan is going to love it. Yeah. So <laughs> don't worry. I didn't remember this combo. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I... <laughs> Deacon anyway. was worried. Deacon was worried. He's like, is that prudent? That's the word right. he used. Yeah. He prudent. Like, is this prudent, one? Like... <laughs> A fair question. It was not. That's a fair question. Yeah. There is a version of prudence called the Posada prudence, <laughs> and it's a it's a spicy sub virtue. Yeah, it's a sub virtue. It's a deep, <laughs> deep, deep, deep sub virtue. Very few people know about it's it. It's Very niche. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I have my own sub virtue. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Anyway, it was just the craziest thing. So I'm really, really, really glad to get to tell that story and share it with all of you. Yes, I just, yeah. Once again, congratulations, yeah, congrats, Juan. Juan. Those to Joan, then. Yeah. To Joan. Yeah, to Joan and the baby. To the to the Posada name. Yeah. May it may it live on forever, especially in heaven. Amen. Cheers. Mm. Okay. Well, that. Uh, Like I don't know really how to like how to transition from that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a unique experience. I felt like I, sure. there was another story I was I had to tell, but I I don't think I don't know it now. And, and it there's no way it it's gonna top. I, oh that. It's, no, it's not gonna top it. No, no story will top that story. Any story from uh, the conference or anything like that? Oh, um, you know what? The, just a quick one. I just mentioned this to you. Uh, I I didn't know it happened even have time to talk to you about it and i cannot remember this guy's name and it's just eating me up inside i can see his name badge like i and i just cannot his the but the letters on the name badge are still blurry in my memory maybe if i keep trying over a while anyway guy came up to me at the conference and um a lot of great guys at, at the wista conference but uh, he said that but he and his wife were getting ready to come into the church in Easter and um, that he was just, he was kind of up to say thank you because he said he was listening to our show that made he and his wife decide to join the church. So praise praise, praise God. Praise God. That is awesome. Praise God for all the things he does, even with silly guys. So don't throw a surprise your pregnant party for your wife. Yeah, I mean. Don't do that. 
Yeah, because then we can't say we're the only ones. Right. More than 60,000 men from around the world have journeyed through Exodus 90 together with their brothers. Priests, bishops, singled men, married men, Catholics, non-Catholics alike. One of the things we love receiving are emails from guys who signed up to do Exodus 90 through the Catholic Command Show and let us know how much freedom they've experienced once they go through the program. And it makes sense, right? Here's how it works. And these are the things that we talk about all the time on the Catholic Man Show, which is why we love promoting Exodus 90. They have three pillars. The, a pillar of prayer, a pillar of asceticism, and a, a pillar of fraternity. And through those three pillars, they help men grow closer to Christ, to their spouse, to their children, and to their friends. Closer to that man that God has called them to be. So go check out Exodus 90. They have Exodus 90 Lent as well. It's exodus90.com slash TCMS for the Catholic Man Show. TCMS. Thank you to Exodus 90 for being a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. If you're just tuning in on Catholic Radio, one of the 20-plus Catholic Radio stations that we are on, go check us out on the podcast. You're not going to want to miss the story that we just told a few minutes ago before this break. It might be the greatest story, second greatest story ever told. Third. Third greatest story. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Fulton Sheen has already got the second greatest right, story. Right, the second ever, greatest story. Ever told. Yeah. Okay, but it's probably, <laughs> definitely, probably the third greatest story, and definitely the f one of the funniest stories <laughs> ever told. So, anyway. Uh, so, tonight we're going to talk about something that, that's, uh, when you told me you wanted to discuss it, I thought, okay, this is a good, this is a good topic. This is, a, this is a, uh, a good topic to talk about because there's a lot of people that are doing it, uh, a lot of people doing it wrong. Um, poorly. But there's a lot of it that needs to be done. But there's a lot of it that isn't being done. Yes. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. So we're going to talk about fraternal correction. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about like the the like what it is, uh, when, how to do it, um, the benefits from it. Like the uh, like, do we have an obligation to do it? At mm -hmm. what, in what circumstances do we have the obligation to do it? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I don't know. I think that. I think that this has, has turned into very blurry lines yeah. uh, because of social media. Because you're able mm. to just go on there and just spat something off. Oh, it's uh, easy for you to say something against somebody. Right. Um, uh, without like thinking about it, without being in charity, without thinking about the consequences, without thinking about it. There's another human being on the other side, unless right. it's China and robots and Russia and all that kind of stuff. Then it's actually not a human being. Then it's not a human being. But assuming that it is, um, that you're actually interacting with another human being, and mm -hmm. you say things that you probably not, you wouldn't say to them face to face. You know, uh, Mike Tyson said something like, "Social media has uh, made people forget what it's like to be punched in the like saying something bad about somebody and getting punched in the mouth for right, it." Right. Yeah. You know, because uh, you don't have, you, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, on yeah. Like media. you probably you don't know who I am. You don't know where I live. Right. Uh, but then there's also so there's 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 the two extremes uh, that are very prevalent. I think in today's world, right? You have the one where it is just a constant uh, bashing of certain people, regardless of what they're doing, uh, with this jaded lens of. Uh, just looking at them in every worst possible way that could be to it have it taken mm -hmm. and and you know just blasting them for it yeah and then the other op opposite the like other, everybody's racist yeah you know. or, or you know anything that comes out of one of the church hierarchy's mouth is is completely heretical you know uh -huh. and, and you just don't give them any benefit of the doubt you don't give that you don't look at it in a pod like how how would i want that to be taken if it was you know me who said it uh -huh. as somebody who, who has a microphone in front of them a lot and says a lot of things yeah, I mean, there, I, there I'm are times, sure I've even said heretical things. There are times that I've, you know, said things and been like, oh, man, I wish I would have had that, wish I could have taken that back. Really, heresy is just a matter of time. <laughs> okay, that's what it comes down to. It's yeah, like, eventually, eventually, right. eventually you'll slip in a little bit. But then there's the opposite, the, the other way, the other extreme, mm -hmm. 
of not not correcting them, like you know, somebody correcting somebody's actions at all, mm-hmm. and allowing them to continue in either a, a state of sin or just a, a path of destruction, a path of yeah, uh, whether out of false humility or cowardice or right. or, or like a misunderstanding of prudence, you know, right? Whatever it is, the the reasons are many, right? Uh, and I think that we live in one of those two extremes quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because we live in those two extremes quite often, it's very hard to be in a emotional or, or like mental state to be able to receive uh, fraternal correction well and also to give fraternal correction well. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, so um, start off with maybe a definition. Fraternal correction is just when you have to correct somebody. You know, um, who is living in error or who who is making a mistake? Um, fraternal correction is is not like, hey, you know, you're just doing something wrong. It's hey, it's uh, you're doing something immoral, and so you shouldn't do that. Um, and maybe maybe they don't know it's immoral. Maybe they do know, and you know they've kind of been blinded. You know, um, it doesn't matter. But it's an act of charity, is what St. Thomas Aquinas says, that fraternal correction comes down to an act of charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he distinguishes between two types of fraternal correction, and he says that one is only for prelates. Um, and so we'll just mention that one. We can get it out of the way, because we're not going to be talking about that. And he says that there is a fraternal correction when it comes down to actually handing out disciplines, punishments. Okay, that is a, a good and valid for, uh, form of fraternal correction, but that only prelates, uh, you know, priests, bishops, these kinds of people have the authority to delegate and to, to give that kind of fraternal correction. So we're not going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about the other kind that he calls just a simple act of charity, um, that you don't need that special um, office or authority in order to exercise. Okay. Um, so how is, how is fraternal correction an act of charity? St. Thomas Aquinas says um, that to do away with one's evil is the same as to procure his good. And to procure a person's good is an act of charity, whereby we wish to do our friend well. So, you know, by helping rid evil out of our friend's life, that's the same as procuring the good. Therefore, it's an act of charity. Because evil isn't a thing. Correct. Right. Right, evil is a deprivation, mm-hmm. and so by you know uh, what do you call it? by to do away with one's evil, you're actually in- infusing the good. Right. Yeah, it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. So evil is, as you mentioned, evil is not like a positive thing that exists. It's the absence of a good that should exist. This is why decaf coffee is evil, uh, because you have uh, something which is natural, a good which is natural to a thing, namely caffeine. It's just natural to the to the coffee bean, mm-hmm. and so by depriving the coffee of the caffeine, and now there's a, a good which is natural to a thing that it should exist and it doesn't. Therefore, technically speaking, decaf coffee is literally evil. Evil, and maybe a necessary evil. Uh, Jim is over here. He always he always uh, glares at me when I, I mention this, and this is the second time today he's heard me. <laughs> he's heard me say this. <laughs> Because this doctor told him he has to drink decaf, so I said, "All right, necessary evil, but evil nonetheless." Yep, okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> your doctor's obviously not a philosopher. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so the church has—we so, uh, call it a protocol for how to use fraternal correction. And uh, I think just the really clear comes from the book of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter eighteen, fifteen through seventeen. Um, I think. Probably most people have heard this, but those verses are says. But if if thy brother and I'm going to do the Dewey Dewey Rames just because like when you quote the Bible, okay, it's the coolest. Okay. Um, but if thy brother shall offend against thee, go and rebuke him between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou shalt gain thy brother. No, you can't do. First, thou shalt take out the holy pen. <laughs> Do Mighty Python while reading. <laughs> then the Bible. thou shalt count to three. <laughs> you can't do Mighty Python. Five is right out. <laughs> then thou shalt lobbest thy holy hand grenade of Antioch toward thy foe, who being not in thy sight, no, okay. shall snuff it. No, amen. <laughs> okay. 
He says, if he, if he shall hear thee, thou shalt gain thy brother. And if he shall not hear thee, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may stand, and if he will not hear them, tell the church. And if he will not hear the church, let him be to thee as a heathen and a publican. So this is where we get the guidelines. Um, what, what happens here? First, this person says, hey, uh, you know, like Adam, is, has, you know, he's got his vice in his life. Um, and especially if it's a public vice, it you know, makes the need for fraternal correction even higher. So what do, what do you do? You go to him first by yourself and say, hey, Adam, you know, this is a problem. You need to, you need to cut, cut it, it out. out. And you say, like, I don't think so. No, I, it's not a problem. So what do I do? I go and get Juan and Jim. And then we confront Adam together. We have like a mini intervention. And if he won't even listen to us, then we go and we take it to the church and we go get our priest or whatever. And if he won't even listen to them, then basically you're going to hell. <laughs> I mean, like that's, kind of the, that's kind of what they mean here. Yeah. Um, unless, you, unless you repent, of course. Uh, you could always the, repent. The mercy of, you know, uh, mercy in confession is available to all Catholics. Yeah, and so um, I was listening the other day to Catholic Radio. Great thing to be listening to. Um, and I heard Father Wade Menezes. Wade Menezes, yeah. Um, I really like him. I do too. I think he's so great. I think he's awesome. And he was talking about um, some of the, these three hallmarks of fraternal correction. I tried to look this up to see if this was an official thing, and I couldn't find anything. And, and maybe maybe it is like still an official thing, and I just couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says that they are uh, fraternal correction should take place place privately, charitably, and rarely. Hmm. Okay, um, and uh, the, the the last one's kind of surprising. It's like oh, but if you think about it, and you're always harping on somebody's case, um, you know, for every little thing that they're doing, fraternal correction is not. Um, you know, you're not the judge of somebody. You're, you're not like their hall monitor um, trying Dude, to... Dude, I was safety patrol officer in elementary school, and I that was... A, that was a big deal. That, that was, was a, pretty sweet the, back the in the day. The power that you had. You wore the, like, the stripe thing the stripe across. across, yeah, right. and the helmet. Yeah, Hard and you hat. got to stand out, like, be in, in the cars as tell, they drove tell by. Tell people what to do. Like, say, ma'am, please stop. Right. Okay? All right. No, you're good. You can stop. Um, so, but rarely, I, I do think that that's important. And what does that mean? The to me, I think that means with prudence. Okay, um, and we're gonna talk. Let's talk about that more on the other side of the break. But, okay. Um, be prudent. About Always. When you when you use your chips, you know what I mean. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about fraternal correction. Fraternal correction, um, very difficult. Uh, takes a lot of courage. You know, when you actually, um, especially with, if it's with a friend of yours. Um, actually, I don't, I don't think it matters who it's with. Um, it's not easy to do. It takes it, a lot of courage, it, and yeah. it takes a lot of charity. Like, um, it takes love, because I think that, like, the more you really, like, focus on the charity side of it. I think the you need less courage at that point because it's like, hey, I'm just going to throw myself out here. I'm doing this for you because I love you. And I, and I know that you like you might embarrass me. That's okay. I'm willing to be embarrassed um, for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm doing it because I love you. You know, whoever you are. Yeah. So I had a question uh, when you were talking about the rarely part uh, uh-huh. before the last break. Uh, you were talking about you know that it should be rarely. You should use prudence in doing. You know, uh-huh. not be nagging. You're not nagging. You know, it's yeah. like a, a, this desire to uh, correct them out of charity, right? So you know how like just war theory. One of the tenets of that is that you have at least a uh, foreseeable like you uh, outlook that you, can, you win. can win. Yeah, it needs to be winnable. Right. Do you think that that principle could be applied here as well? Mm-hmm. Like that. Absolutely. Even if so. Okay, if you say, I mean, that, I'm kind of surprised you said that, to be honest with you. Well, um, uh, actually, Aquinas says the, that very thing. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, so he asked the question. I don't remember exactly what the question is, but you know, here when he's talking about on fraternal correction, this is one of the art, uh, one of the questions. Question thirty three, actually, um, on fraternal correction. Okay. Um, he he actually says, "What if you're for, like you confronting him might make him worse?" He right. says, "He says don't do it." Um, I have it here. Okay. Um, I didn't get a chance to read any. Yeah, of that's this. okay. So, consequently, when it is deemed probable that the sinner will not take the warning and will become worse, such fraternal correction should be foregone, because the means should be regulated according to the requirements of the end. You know, okay. the end, uh, fraternal correction, its end, what is it ordered towards? It's ordered towards the, you know, conversion of the of heart, you know? And so, if 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 you don't think that the end will be achieved by these means, then you shouldn't do them. You know, okay. Um, so yes, I mean, absolutely, because certainly, um, this is one of those things about okay. You might know this person needs some fraternal correction, but one of the prudent things is: are you the one to do it? You know, um, just think about family members and like how hard it is to convert a family member, mm-hmm. right? Almost uh, impossible. Almost impossible. I mean, it's, every family's different, but um, y- you know, uh, a prophet has no honor has is not without honor except in his native place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think that that's part of the prudence. That's part of the rarely, um, you know, that if we're, if we're going to step in and kind of use, use, cash in some of our chips with this, mm-hmm. uh, because that's, that's what you're doing. I mean, fraternal correction is going to involve an emotional strain on the relationship between these two people. Now it'll be a strain, hopefully for, um, for a good reason and will actually build the relationship in the end. But it is is absolutely going to be a strain, and so, um, you know, are you the person that should be doing the fraternal correction? Um, maybe talk to somebody, you know, a close relative about it. You know, it's like you also don't want to go like gossiping about the guy with mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, if you do think I think this other person um, who's also you know close, if like they, I think it would be better if they went and talked to him. You know, maybe go and talk to that person, and maybe they feel the same way already, and they've kind of been pondering you know, do, talking to this person anyway. Um, so, yes, if you think it's going to go poorly, then you shouldn't do it. I think a, a good rule of thumb is is to take it to prayer for a while. If it's not a yeah. if it's not an immediate thing that you have to, like if it's not something that's time sensitive that I have to do right now or it's not going to work, you know, something's not going to work. Right. Uh, a lot of times when I've had to, to, when I'm in the position where I'm not sure if I'm the one that should be, fraternally correcting somebody uh-huh. i take it to prayer and i actually ask uh our blessed mother to put somebody else right in that person's life that that'll do it if it's not supposed to be me um mm-hmm. and give them the courage to do it this, uh, yeah th- and this is the gray area with fraternal correction um and th- you realize like wow this is actually a really 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 big gray area um am i the one who should be doing it uh you know like how are they going to take it? Um, what's the best way to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and what things, sh- what things do like really call for this kind of correction? Um, Does Aquinas talk about uh, people who are of, of higher like uh, positions in life? Uh, no, no, he doesn't really get into that. Um, other than the prelates, you know, like obviously the bishops, and right. you know they can come in and and in enforce a different kind of fraternal correction mm-hmm. um more of a more of a justice like you know do you as a uh, worker have the obligation to oh, tell your boss yes he does talk about this um he talks he asks the question can the laity offer fraternal correction to a prelate and the answer is yes not in the way that the prelate can you know like they can't offer they can't like inflict a punishment on him mm-hmm um, but they can, in, out of charity, um, for, fraternally correct him just like anybody else. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's what he says. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that question. Um, and, you know, there have been examples. I mean, of- that would take even more courage, right? Like if you're the coworker or the, the worker trying to correct your boss or you're the, the lay person trying to fraternally correct a right. deacon or a priest, um, that takes one even more courage, but two, I think even more prudence. I think the the maturity level of the spiritual maturity level of that person who's going to take on that role, yeah, uh, your has to be very high. 
Yeah, I agree. And so there is kind of like, it is kind of a slippery slope or treacherous waters because um, it's like on the one hand, oh, am I the person? Do I have the like the, Cause, ma- the cause maturity listen, to do this? No, almost no one is the Catherine of Siena. Right. Because this is the, this is the, uh, the example that everybody uses all the time. Uh, like correcting the Pope or correcting, you know, it's like, well, Catherine of Siena went up there and told the Pope to cut it out and get back to Rome and like called him out. And yeah, he did also, it. Also, like she was having private revelations about it. And right. It, like, and she's also she's like also, when Mary comes to you and tells you to write a letter to the Pope, then you write a letter to the Pope. Right. I mean, but OK, the, but but, the, but no, but people overlook that part. Right. Yeah. And so, like, I think that if you're going to do that, you know, judge lest you be judged like this whole thing. Uh. Uh, on judgment in the Bible, um, we should take seriously as well. Yeah, and I think that we that most of the time, the people who go and and try to fraternally correct is an emotional uh, reaction. Mm-hmm. It's a I don't like what he's doing. It's not right. Thus, I'm going to tell him. Well, and right, and if you're going straight to Twitter and doing it publicly, okay, then um, you're just looking for. You're you're just you're being Hot selfish. Takes. Yeah, you're trying. Yeah, you're really trying to glorify yourself. Is it's all a pride, you're doing. It's a prideful thing. Because once again, the first thing you need to do is go privately with them. If you don't know the person personally, then you're not the one to fraternally correct them. Okay, like well, fraternal is like is brother. Part, yeah, well, brother. I mean, saying like it's one of the two words. Right. In order for it to actually ha- like to be, you know, fraternally correct, it has to be a brother. Right. You have to you have to have a relationship with this person. Right, um, which I think is very important. Right, I mean, you know, it has to have like a minimum level of like, you know who I am, I know, I know who, who you, you are. are. Right, right. That's you know the basics. So, but think about that. Yeah, like, oh, if I'm going to go offer fraternal correction to a someone who's like kind of my superior, um, d- oh, if for me to th- put myself in that position, it's like, oh yeah, I do have the spiritual maturity to do it. Um, now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, am I being prideful? You know, do right. I need more humility? So I'm not. I am not discouraging people from offering the fraternal correction. You know, because if you don't do it, maybe someday at your judgment. That wait, what if that guy doesn't get to heaven? You know, right. what if this was the pivotal moment? Um, you know, you and I just given a talk in Boston, in uh, Wista, and like one of the things we talked about were in our own lives these pivotal moments where it's like looking back, I realized that small decision, what seemed like a small decision, that little decision, it changed my life. Um, I didn't realize it at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it was a course correction. Mm-hmm. Um, some for good, some for bad, right? And so um, fraternal correction, I think, is very often one of those moments in people's lives. It's, there's a high probability that this could be a pivotal moment for someone right. when they receive fraternal correction, when it's done well, um, that that they have to kind of take a look at their life and whatever it is. And, you know, so it, it should be something that's serious, you know. It, um, and but Dave, so to that degree... You mentioned about it being an act of charity mm-hmm. to do it, but to what degree does it become a sin of omission not doing yeah. it? Yeah, so um, this is one thing that, this is a, another question that Aquinas talks about. Um, uh, basically, uh, are, are we required to? Um, and I, I was texting Carlo Broussard about this um, just to kind of get some more clarity, and he, was, he helped me quite a bit, but um, we didn't get a chance to finish our conversation on this. Basically, so here's here's what Aquinas says. He says, fraternal correction is directed to a brother's um, amendment, so that it is a matter of precept. That's what he says. So you, there is a precept, um, so sort, of, sort of there is a requirement to do it, um, insofar as it is necessary for the end, for the amendment, and but not so as we have to correct our erring brother at all places and at all times. Okay, so... Even Aquinas leaves a lot of gray area. He, 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 the bottom line is he does say, sometimes you have a moral obligation to offer fraternal correction. And that if you fail to do so, um, it, you know, basically it's a sin if you don't do it. Hmm. He doesn't get, you know, he doesn't get so uh, black and white on, on what is that situation, right? Because yeah. you just can't. You, can't. you can't be black and white because there are all of these individual situations are going to be very nuanced, right? And so you, you have to do your best. Yeah, Adam, what you said, you have to take it to prayer. Um, if you feel convicted, pray about it. And like, um, 
Maybe, okay, if you feel convicted, then you need to start asking in your prayer, not if, but how. Right. Yeah. We're out of time on uh, the Catholic Radio. Go check us out on the podcast, thecatholiccommandshow.com, available where all pa- podcasts are available. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, uh, Steve Ray has a, a great story that he tells. He says he he and his neighbor die at the exact same time. They g- I love this story. This is a true story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he and his neighbor die at the same time. Tornado. They through yeah tornado F five wipes them out. Uh, they go up to uh, Saint Peter is waiting for them at the pearly gates, and they call Steve Ray up. Steve Ray goes up for his judgment, and they say, "Congrat, you know." Oh, here you are. Here your name is here in the book of yeah. life. Well, well, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in, and then he hears as he's walking in his neighbor's name called, and his Juan na- Posada, and, and they call they they call the name. And they say, "I'm sorry, you know, uh, you did not live. You're not on the, uh, the book of life. You're you're sentenced to, uh, the, you know, you're damned to hell." And uh, the guy says, "But wait, why is he in? He's he was my neighbor. Why why is Steve Ray getting to go in to heaven?" And Steve Ray looks back at him, and, and uh, his neighbor goes, "You mean to tell me you knew about all this and you didn't even tell me about it? Mm-hmm. We've been me- we I saw you every." Sunday is next door for twenty years, right? And you didn't even tell me about this, you know. And you know, he starts cursing Steve Ray, and and uh, as he goes down to the depths of hell, I do, I would too, personally. Um, and and so that, I, don't, I don't blame you, Juan. Uh, but that's a very vivid story on under like, and and a real uh understanding of like, listen, we're this is not a a little game here that we're talking right. about. These, these are souls that are That's on right. that are on the line, and uh, we desire that everybody go to heaven. And uh, this is the this is the call that we are as Christians, as disciples, is to go uh, baptize them. And, and part of baptizing people is part part of uh, having people enter into the Christian life is saying no to the life that they've been living. Yeah. Well, and Steve sometimes as to that. Story. He says, when his neighbor is going down to hell, he says, "I'm sorry, I didn't want to have an awkward conversation with you." Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's, that's all it takes. The awkward conversation, the fraternal correction is, it's that's it. Right. Totally. Yeah. That's that's totally true. So there are a couple other things that I think make the need for fraternal correction um, higher, and so that's if if public scandal is involved. So if someone is doing something publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, then the the need for fraternal correction becomes twofold, not only for their soul, but for all for the souls of everybody else. Right, <laughs> scandal. When scandal is involved, this is yeah. this is a, even a bigger ordeal. Right. So you know, if Adam was doing something and like mentioned it on on our show, you know, here we are. It's like oh, the and as if this is an okay thing to do. And if it and if it wasn't, well, then I'd have a bigger need. To offer correction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know who I uh, greatly admire for this, uh, who does this well, is our bishop, Bishop Condola. Hmm. Um, he he's really pastoral. He's a pastoral bishop uh, who desires that everybody uh, enter into the Catholic faith. But if they're not ready to enter into the Catholic faith, then uh, th- then they can't do certain things, mm-hmm. right? We even talked. We we had him on the show one time talking about. Uh, his article that he wrote um, on politicians and basically receiving the uh, receiving the Eucharist, uh, you know, and he 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 makes that stance very clear: is that it's not because it it's a it's not because I I'm wanting to pr- deprive you; it's because of something that is good. Because I, I don't want to deprive you of something that is good, but it's a desire that I have that I love you so much that I don't want you to take this. Good. I want your greatest good, right? right. Um, I uh, love you too and you'd much. And you be committing a sin to do the, yeah. to receive communion worthily, right? Um, so anyway, I just that that came to mind. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great example. Again, you can go check that that whole uh, show on if you go to thecatholicmansion.com and just type in Condola Bishop Condola, you'll you'll be able to find that episode. Right. I mean, and obviously, like most of us don't know these politicians personally, who right. you know who claim to be Catholic yet support pro-choice, mm-hmm. you know, legislation. Um, that's a great example of something that's giving public scandal mm-hmm. as if this is something that a good Catholic can do. They cannot. You cannot support 
uh, legislation that promotes abortion because abortion is intrinsically evil. Right. Um, so if you are friends with one of these politicians, then yeah, you should maybe have a conversation with him. Um, and once again, we follow that. Okay, that conversation doesn't go well. So you go and get some more of your friends and have that conversation with them again. That mm-hmm. still doesn't go well. You bring your priest in. Um, and, and if that doesn't go well, that's when, at this point, that's when you start to make a public, um, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, I don't want to get political, but, um, you know, Cardinal Burke did this with the Holy Father, um, with the dubia. Mm-hmm. You know, first he had a conversation with the Pope, uh, privately, and then when that didn't go well, he got some other of the cardinals. They went privately. That didn't go well. So then they put out that public letter. Um, that's I'm just I only bring that up because that is that's an example of the process. Mm-hmm. That you know that's how I it think there's be a, done. A, a real uh, skill, a real art of rhetoric that one has to have to be able to fraternally correct well. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, so that you're not, um, you don't come across as threatening or, like, demeaning. Right. Um, hostile. Hostile, right. Like, that, oh, you're in trouble or that you're bad. Or that you're better than them. Right. Uh, there's a lot of, of humility that, ha- like, if you are going to come to somebody to fraternally correct them, your pride has to be, you, you better check your pride at the door. Right. Right. Like, there, there's nothing about this that, that is about, like, you or anything like that. I think that... Um, one way that I've that I've done this here's a tactic that I've used uh, that I've, I have found to be uh, useful. Okay, is that if somebody's doing something wrong, uh, and I I feel like that for whatever reason that I need to you know have that conversation with them and for fraternal correction, uh, I do it private when, when I'm doing it privately. I set them down. You know, we sit down and I I, I say you know um, you know I really care about you, um, and I, I kind of tell them up front like how much I care about them, how much they mean to me. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I say is, is I, I'll tell them like, here's what I think is happening. Um, but I, I'm not sure I understand fully. And if it is happening this way, if I, if, if my, if I understand this correctly, uh, we, we need to change it. But I, I, I want to make sure I understand you fully and understand your position. Because maybe you don't. Yeah, because maybe because another bad thing to do is try think that you're fraternally correcting somebody, and then you just like all you realize like you're just an idiot, an idiot. Right. All you're doing is you've listened to gossip or you've listened to somebody else or or it's the story of the story of a story. But it also makes that person admit right away. Yes, I am doing that. Right. Uh, And and it it puts it as I I may be misunderstanding you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what it is is it's not saying like I'm already condemning you. It's saying like. You're giving the person the benefit of the doubt. You're saying I'm not. I, I'm probably misunderstanding you, but here's here's how I think that this is going, and so I want to give you the opportunity to kind of clarify for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's. Good. And then I and then I shut up. You know, then then I just be quiet and let, let them let them talk. I think that there's another temptation in an in an effort to um, soften it a little bit to um, you know not come as like. You want to not be overbearing, which I get, right? You don't want to be overbearing. You want the person to hear what you have to say. So I think there's a temptation to also kind of downplay the badness of what they're doing. Right. You know, it's like, it'll give them excuses for it or um, whatever. Essentially, weaken the truth, mm-hmm. okay? I, I think that that's a temptation that has to be avoided um, and that you have to bring the light of truth in in all of its brightness and all of its glory, charitably. So mm-hmm. you mean you have to come in and say like, no, this is this is what you, what you're doing is bad, you know, and it's wrong, and you need to like, and I want you, I want you to be better, mm-hmm. and I know I know that you can be better, and so you can't you can't you have to avoid both of those pitfalls. It's a it's a like, I think we've said this now a couple times, but I think it is it's a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, conflict resolution is, you know, people get paid a lot of money. Oh yeah, uh, to to do this kind of thing, you know, in like corporate environments. Yeah, but um, you just if you just keep your mind focused on charity, and that once again you're doing this because you love them. You're not doing it because you want to be right. Mm-hmm. I, even it's like again, this is the whole checking your pride at the door, right? You, ha- I think it's better to take an attitude of. I know I'm wrong, 
but I'm doing this because I love you. And like, I might regret doing this, but I'd rather regret doing it out of love mm-hmm. than fail to do it out of, oh, humility or fear or, you know, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, the prudent thing is to err on the side of love than to err on the other side. Right. Yeah, and the other extreme, like we've like we've said, is is the idea of not not correct, not fraternally correcting them. Right. So if you think that there's a chance that you can succeed, you see that there's a problem, and you and you don't go to them, and you let them continue in this sin or this spiral of destruction, then you will be. This is the sins of omission that you were that you were just talking about, Juan. Like this is. This you will be judged for that. Yeah, and let's talk about what does it mean to succeed. Okay, that's a good. Yeah, that is a good point. Okay, because um, if if you're saying I'm gonna I'm gonna go talk to him, I know that I know this person's temperament. They are not gonna change their mind. Um, okay, that doesn't mean that it wasn't a success. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Okay, some people you might have to talk to him about it more than once. Mm-hmm. Okay, but um, unless you have that first conversation or the second one, you know, unless you have that next conversation, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, because some people are admittedly more stubborn about things. So success doesn't mean he changed his mind right then and there. Right then and there, total conversion. You know, um, in fact, that rarely happens. This, it probably isn't going to happen. You know, <laughs> I think most of the time these conversations go poorly. Mm-hmm. That person leaves. And reflects, I think, you know, even when it goes well, this is what might happen. It goes, and then it's only when they think on what you guys talked about that in the days to come, that's when they come around, Mm -hmm. you know, away from right there and right then and there. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think that, you know, you have to be careful about what we're calling success. You know, you don't want to let that stop you because, yeah. When you go and talk to them, they're probably not going to be like, oh, wow, Adam, I just didn't even see it that way. I'm so glad you talked to me. So glad you enlightened me. Right, exactly. Like, that's not what's going to go, that's not how it's going to go down. Right. Okay. But the reality is, though, friends don't let friends stay in sin. Yeah, that's true. Like, so whether, you know, whether it's your your spouse, your, your best friends, your family members, like, if you, like, if you love that person... You don't allow like you you have to bring this up out of yeah, charity because yeah. you love them. Yeah, I mean, so I, if if I may add something, this is sometimes a word that is uh, used pastorally. Sometimes gives me what the, word um, accompaniment. Mm. It's like you ha- we have to be a, in their journey, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I basically hate that word. Yeah, I hate. Me too, but I I know what it means, and I I totally agree with the concept. Yeah, but I but, I, yeah, I think it's I, such a people use it as a cop out to like oh don't ask people to be mm-hmm. don't ask people to change their life. So and I bring it because that word gives me sometimes the what they call the jibbies, right? <laughs> I think that's the word. Maybe not, yeah. but so what when you're accompanying somebody, what it does gives you though is. A, be, a fuller knowing of the context of the person's life and their circumstances. Yeah. So Aquinas is clear about what determines the, mor- the morality of an act. So there's the intent, the object, and circumstances. Circumstances can add or subtract from the culpability of it, but they never change the essence of something. Right? Yeah. They never change whether something was immoral or not. And I think that it's a, a place of privilege and responsibility with somebody that already knows the circumstances so well that they think they're giving that person the out. Like, well, I mean, what was he supposed to do? I'm cornering all these circumstances, you know, this context. But when you have uh, the certainty of saying like, well, no, circumstances don't add, cannot change, Right. You can do better, right? Yeah, the the goodness or badness of the act yeah. itself. So, and and I think that's the only value that I see to the accompanying part is like, hey, when you have enough context to make that decision, after that, then it's your call. 
because it's it's hard to not have that relationship. Oh sure, and make the call. But once you have enough context and enough circumstance, then that's your call. Yeah, I mean, the, the accompaniment is the path to holiness. You're accompanying them to the path of right. holiness, mm-hmm. and it is fraternal correction. Accompaniment, in I think like typically the way it's used, it is fraternal correction. Right. That should be the way yeah. you're accompanying people. You know, you you um, bring them the truth, and then, sure, are they just going to like become a saint on that d- day one? No. Um, but you don't weaken the truth. You know, you give them the truth the way it is and mm-hmm. say like, this is the standard. The standard doesn't change because God established it. Mm-hmm. Man didn't, right? And we're just simply... Reco- we don't have the authority to change We're it. just recognizing it, okay? And let me help you daily to come around, you know, like, to get closer and closer. Again, you have to make... Uh, like, you have to be moving towards the end. Mm-hmm. And the end is uh, charity. Is The end, uh, end is uh, the path to, sa- to sanctity. Right. Holiness. Holiness. Yeah. Um, so... You still have to be moving forward. Yeah, totally. So uh, this is a challenging, challenging thing. It's, I, I think um, it's a test of your manhood. Um, you know, whether or not you're willing to take this up, um, whether or not, you, you know, are because it's, it's scary. It's very, very, very scary when you're actually going to do it. And especially if, you know, you're one-on-one, um, you know, but you got to do it. Um, it. Otherwise, you just need to admit that, like, you just don't love this person. Mm. Um, your, your your lack of courage is not allowing you to love them. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you're failing them. And there is no paradise for cowards. There is no There's paradise. There's no paradise for, for cowards. cowards. That's why it's on the sweatshirt, baby. That's all I got. You got anything else? Jim, you have anything? No. Okay. Jim is a man of many words. Like four yummies. Four yummies today.